This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, if you've spent any time paddling, be it stand-up paddling, kayaking, spending time on a False Creek ferry, you know the water in that area isn't the cleanest. It is not a swimming area, but one Vancouver City Councillor would like to see that change. Last Tuesday, Councillor Andrea Reimer introduced a motion to make the water in False Creek and to make the water in Trout Lake swimmable by next summer. And Andrea Reimer joins us on the line now. Councillor, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me on. Uh, tell me a bit about this and, and why you uh, felt it was important or feel it's important to make these waters uh, ac- accessible to swimmers. Well, I think, I mean, Vancouver has a very long history as a city. And as part of being a city, we have industrial activity and many residents. And I think on land, we expect to have parks and spaces that we can enjoy for recreation. Uh, but on water, we traditionally haven't had that same expectation. We just have a sort of shared belief as a society that a certain level of pollution and uh, pollutants are in the water in a way that just means that we're not going to be able to swim in urban areas. But if you look around the world, um, Vancouver is actually way behind on this. You see cities like New York City, a, a very large city with many residents and a very strong working waterfront. Uh, Chicago, Copenhagen internationally, um, where they've changed their mindset around that and really thought the same way we think with our, our terrestrial parks, that we should be able to enjoy recreation in the waterways. So for us, it's new, and I think it's a bit challenging to wrap our minds around. I know my dad grew up near Trout Lake in Vancouver and would talk to me as a child. They would go swimming in the water. It was a, you know, a very different place back then, um, but we've seen changes to these waterways, and I think that we've seen results from New York, Chicago, Copenhagen, other cities around the world that tell us that we don't just have to accept those, that there's ways for industry all the residents that we have to coexist and still be able to swim in natural waterways. Uh, When we look at False Creek, it's kind of a basin, uh, given the name, False Creek. Um, I spend a lot of time down there. It's not water right now that you want to swim in or fall into uh, or such. Uh, There is a lot of recreation there. It's just not in in the water. Uh, What would it take, though, to make that water clean enough to swim in? Well, and I think that that's the challenge, is that water has many agencies, public agencies, civic, provincial, federal, um, that have jurisdiction over it, and we haven't traditionally coordinated that well when it comes to -to day-to-day operations. So from the city's perspective, we've got a large-scale project that looks at dealing with sewage outflows. Um, Although, to note, these are not common events. They happen in extraordinary rainstorms. Uh, so it's something that is manageable on a day-to-day basis in the immediate term. And in the long term, we have the plan to separate. We also have industrial activities that might occur and create pollutants in the waterways. So we need to work with our provincial and federal counterparts on that front. There is some long-term contamination uh, at, in the, the soils and sediments that are in the bottom of False Creek. But to note that in our terrestrial parks, we have often contamination in those as well. So it's just a matter of making sure that we don't unduly disturb those or that if we do uh, and we are having swimming in that waterway, that we make sure that we're co-managing that. 
so that it, it doesn't become a problem for swimmers. Uh, Vancouver is a waterfront city. Uh, you can swim at Vanier Park, Kitsilano Beach. You can swim at Jericho. There is a vast area that you can swim. Uh, why do we need to spend tax dollars to make False Creek, which is a, a place that is very busy with boats and is uh, very busy on the water, why do we need to spend tax dollars to make that also a place to swim? Well, a few things. All the places that you noted are on the west side of the city. So for those living on the east side, um, they're not as accessible. And we, those of us who do live on the east side, tend to have lower incomes. We tend to be more likely to use transit. uh, And we tend to have less disposable income to go pay to go swimming somewhere in one of the pools. So all the more reason to make sure that we have swimmable areas on the east side as well. Um, also, it's not just humans that are impacted by water quality. It also has a big impact on aquatic life, whether that be uh, fish or, I mean, in some cases now we're seeing whales come back into the inlet precisely because of attention to those beaches and making sure that there's both cleaner water but also habitat for the things that whales like to eat. Um, and we've had huge success with that. We've been able um, to restore a herring habitat on False Creek um, and that, in turn, is bringing back whales. And then it becomes all the more imperative for us as a city to think about the health of the water that those whales are coming back to, or herring or salmon, in the case of Still Creek and New Brighton Park on the east side of the city. And looking at Trout Lake, is is that an easier one? Uh, we we talk to people. People do swim there. I know kids talk about getting duck mite, which you can get from, from any number of lakes. But what would need to, to be done to Trout Lake to make it uh, more, more uh, pleasing to swimmers? Well, so Trout Lake is intermittently swimmable. Um, It has been getting worse in recent years, in part because as the weather is getting warmer, as climate change is happening, biological pollutants become more persistent. They become more of a problem. E. coli counts uh, in the water become more challenging to deal with. So um, having lived near Trout Lake for many years, there's a board up on the beach, and uh, literally every hour in summer they will test the water and post it, and you can have closures from hour to hour. Trout Lake is a natural lake. Unfortunately, it no longer has the natural streams that would have fed it, and that's really the issue there is figuring out how you do get continuous water uh, replacement. And I know that the park boards worked very hard on this. Uh, They seem keen to work on both Trout Lake and False Creek, but also areas like Lost Lagoon. New Brighton Park has a restoration project going that will help the, the um, health of the water uh, waterfront along New Brighton. So very doable, but as I said at the outset, it really is about us believing that it's important to do it in order for it to happen. Uh, is it possible to do this by 2018? Well, I think that it is possible. Uh, probably not like any spot along Falls Creek that you could just jump in, but to really look at how do we start this? How do we get it going? And I, I think one of the challenges in government is that we come up with ideas, uh, but soon is not a time and some is not a number. Like, you really need to think about when do we need this to happen by, and that's what's going to drive agencies working together, the city reaching out and being able to coordinate that work. There is already an initiative called the Vancouver Waterfront Initiative that's been led by the Georgia Strait Alliance that has really done incredibly pioneering work about bringing together all the agency, private sector, public sector, the nonprofits, the academics, um, to, to start looking at these questions. So it's not that we're starting from a, a dead stop. We already have some significant community work that's been done. I know I, I've had um, some notes from them as well as the Soilichus Nation that's very excited about the opportunity to clean up the inlet to the far 
point where they could be harvesting shellfish again, as they did since time began here, generations and generations unbroken, until we got to the point where we decided that um, somehow economic interests had to trump um, health and food sources and traditional activities. And it's not really one or the other. There, there are examples from around the world that you can absolutely do both, but you need a plan on how you're going to do that. All right. Uh, just before I let you go, uh, I want to shift gears. Uh, pardon the pun. There's a story out today about with um, some of the, the bike rental companies that really focus on the tourists that use Stanley Park, uh, upset about the fact that Moby Bikes are now in the park, saying that a bike system uh, that uses $5 million, uh, used a $5 million uh, taxpayer-funded uh, setup cost, uh, now have stations in the park and are directly competing with them. Uh, why are we seeing this competition between Moby Bikes and the rental companies? Well, I haven't seen that story, so I don't know that I can comment it on directly, but I would say that when Moby was first set up by council, it was very clear direction from council to ensure that bike rental companies weren't unduly impacted by Moby. It really is a service that's gamed at local residents and really targeted at trying to ensure that our local Vancouverites have access to it. The pricing structure is set up in a way, and I've certainly heard some commentary from visitors that it's not especially favorable to um, the the kinds of rental that you'd be looking at if you're a visitor to Vancouver, whereas for me, I, I have a membership that is $100 for an entire year, so very favorable for someone like me that usually takes transit, but from time to time wants to be able to bike between uh, point A and point B when I'm going about my business in the city. So I'd have to look at the specific information, but I would suspect just on the pricing structure alone, um, the bike rental companies have a big advantage in that regard. All right, Councillor Reimer, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.